There is a fifth dimension, beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. It lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Dimensions, a Twilight Zone podcast. On this episode tonight, we are going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 6 of the Twilight Zone, titled Escape Clause. And now, here's Will Lastly with the opening narration. You're about to meet a hypochondriac. Witness Mr. Walter Bedecker, age 44, afraid of the following. Death, disease, other people, germs, draft, and everything else. He has one interest in life, and that's Walter Bedecker. One preoccupation, the life and well-being of Walter Bedecker. One abiding concern about society, that if Walter Bedecker should die, how will it survive without him? The writer for this episode, of course, was Rod Serling. The director was Mitchell Leeson, who previously directed the 16mm Shrine and will go on to direct in the future People Are Alike All Over. The producer was Buck Houghton. In the cast was David Wayne, Thomas Gomez, and Virginia Christine. Music was, of course, by Bernard Herman. Where to watch it, you can see it on Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon Prime, and its original air date was November 6th, 1959. Now, fair warning, there will be spoilers ahead of the episode, so if you haven't seen it, go ahead and cut this off, go watch it, and then come back and listen to the rest of it. And as always, if you have any comments, feedback, suggestions, anything of the sort, feel free to email me at dimensionstzpodcast at gmail.com. All right, so Escape Clause, Episode 6. It uh, In it, we meet Mr. Walter Bedeker, who is a hypochondriac. He um, is always one of those people that's always very sick. Um, and at, at the time, in the 50s slash early 60s, hypochondria was thought to be the result of a bored person or a person with a lack of imagination and has the ailment uh, for the need to occupy their mind. And we'll touch back on that shortly. So we open seeing Walter in bed, who is getting checked over by a doctor, and uh, the guy's just an insufferable boob. I mean, he's just a he's just a complete ass to everyone. The doctor's checking him over and, of course, finds nothing wrong with him. His wife is also there, and she is one of those kind of beat-down, sort of long-suffering sort of women that you usually see in in dramas of the time. You know, the, the woman that's kind of beat down by life and, and just kind of abused verbally and, you know, emotionally by her husband. And Virginia Christine plays this part, I think, to a T. Um, but we meet her, and she has the... the um, she has the task of living with Walter Bedeker, you know, for till death do they part. And the doctor, um, by the way, who is played by 
Raymond Bailey, who would go on to play Mr. Drysdale in the Beverly Hillbillies sitcom, decides to not do anything for Mr. Bedecker because he is, as he says, in good health and there's nothing wrong with him. Anything that is wrong with him is psychosomatic. So the wife sees him out and the doctor, and I find this very, very interesting in the episode, the doctor actually writes Mrs. Bedecker a prescription for vitamins because at the time, you know, they didn't have Flintstone chewables. Shout out to Flintstone Chewables, wonderful vitamins. Um, They didn't have Flintstone Chewables, so he wrote her a prescription for some vitamins for her to take because she looked, you know, really run down and having to deal with Walter Bedecker all day. I can imagine why. But I always found it funny that he gave her, you know, a prescription and didn't give Walter anything, even if it was a placebo, just something to, you know make him feel better in his mind. The doctor didn't do that because he knew that, you know, nothing he gave him would make the pain go away in his mind. And I always thought that was pretty interesting in this episode. But we realized that, of course, vitamins aren't going to fix what's wrong with Mrs. Bedecker because in the end, I mean, you know, she'd probably be better off if he did succumb to illness. So this brings up the main question of the episode, which Walter says so eloquently, why does man have to die? Basically, how come we only get to live a hundred years or less, you know, that basically man dies almost the instant he's born in relevance to the time of the universe? You know, our time on Earth is, is extremely short, but the level of narcissism that this man has is staggering to the fact that he always feels run down and in pain and in constant agony, but yet he wants to live longer than what he currently can live. So he sends his wife away. Thank goodness for her. Um, and he talks to himself, you know, as, as people do in the twilight zone. And he says, you know, why can't man live 300 years, 400 years, or even a thousand years? And then a voice appears and says, why not 5,000? And this is where we meet Mr. Cadwallader, who, besides having one of the most interesting names, is uh, played by Thomas Gomez, who we will see in a later episode titled Dust, which is going to be probably the longest episode of this entire podcast. And Cadwallader of course, is basically the devil. Now, of course, this isn't the first time that we've seen, you know, an otherworldly figure come to the Twilight Zone. We saw it in One for the Angels with Mr. Death, and we will definitely see it again in several more episodes, and even the devil, so to speak, in other episodes of the Twilight Zone. So this is nothing new. However, um, this does set up a question I've always wondered with episodes of the Twilight Zone and even episodes of other shows, which is when, say, somebody's talking to themselves or, you know, someone's in a room by themselves and all of a sudden another person materializes out of nowhere, you know, into a closed room. Why don't people that 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 happens to, why don't they freak out more? You would think, you know, if that happened to you, you would at least have a million questions in rapid-fire succession or if you were prone to fainting, you might even... You might even give out. 
but people never really seem surprised that someone just magically appears out of nowhere in their room and, you know, offers them things or wants to make a deal with them. And that's exactly what Cadwallader, a.k.a. the devil, is here to do. He is here to set up a proposition with Mr. Bedeker for his soul. Now, we've seen stories like this with this sort of, uh, you know, story trope throughout the years in different forms and fashions. Men selling their souls to the devil for something worldly that they've always wanted. And this is no exception. This is just another one of those stories. But Cadwallader uh, sets up the proposition by mostly appealing to Bedeker's ego. You know, sort of stroking his ego as to why couldn't you live forever? You know, like, you know, you need a little extra free time, as he calls it. And, of course, uh, Cadwallader wants to exchange immortality for his soul. And, you know, it's the age-old sell your soul to the devil story. And Bedeker sort of starts to, to dicker with him, to deal with him. And they come to the conclusion that um, Bedeker will get immortality and indestructibility, all for the low, low price of one infinitesimal speck of the makeup of Mr. Bedeker, which would be his soul. And so Bedeker decides that not only does he want to be indestructible and live forever, he also doesn't want to change in appearance. To which, of course, the devil, a.k.a. Cadwallader, gives the devilish grin of a man who knows he's got the better part of the deal, who basically walked a man right into the trap of the deal and knows he's got him in the sale. And Thomas Gomez does this phenomenally with this with this almost gloating sort of facial expression that he gets with his eyes real wide and this this really really wicked grin on his face. It's it's quite something. So Bedeker, of course, being a very cautious man, you know, asks for the you know the the hidden hidden fees, hidden agendas, you know, no funny business, any of that stuff, to which the devil tells him that there is an escape clause in the contract for him, and that if any time he wants out of the life that he has, and he's or he's tired of life and no longer wants to do it anymore, that he can just call on Cadwallader, and he will come and, you know, um, furnish his demise, as he says. Now, a bit of trivia... While Bedeker was thinking it over, Cadwallader kind of adjusts his collar and says, Boy, you keep it hot in here. And this was actually a callback to a deleted scene in the episode where a man comes to look at the radiator in the bedroom to make sure that it's operating correctly. And he fixes it and he says, you know, it's, it's operating well now, but don't touch it because it's extremely hot and will burn the fire out of you but that scene was left on the cutting room floor ultimately for time's sake of the episode so after Bedeker and the devil have agreed on the terms of the contract they both sign the contract and Cadwallader disappears and then we get another little piece of the episode with the radiator where Walter goes over to the radiator and puts his hand on it, and you hear a sizzling noise, and you see smoke rising up as if it's burning his hands, but then he lifts his hands, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with his hands. It didn't burn him at all. Now it's at this part where we move into the second act of the episode, where, and you've seen it before with, with other people who are find out they're indestructible or invincible, 
they decide to test the limits of that indestructibility or invincibility. And Mr. Bedecker, of course, and this story is no different, he uh, throws himself in front of buses, in front of trains, you know. He says he has 14 different accidents in all, mostly to collect the insurance money from the companies. In fact, we see Bedecker getting a couple of checks from some insurance men for the accidents that he has incurred. And one of the checks is for $1,000. Now, in 1959 money, $1,000 would be worth about $9,000 today. So if you figure an average of $10,000 per incident, and he had 14 incidences, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's doing okay. You know, he can get by on that kind of money. But true to form, Walter Bedecker becomes rather disillusioned and somewhat bored of his newfound invincibility and immortality. You know, what's the point of living forever if you, you can't get any kicks? You know, he can't get any excitement. You know, it's, it's no longer fun jumping in front of buses or, you know, jumping in front of trains. It's no longer, you know, interesting to him. So he ponders jumping off the roof of his building, which we assume to be somewhere around 15 stories tall. And he finally lets Ethel, his wife, in on the whole thing that he sold his soul to the devil. And she, of course, just thinks he's sick in the mind and needs to, you know, go to the hospital. To which, of course, he pushes her out of the way and makes his way up to the roof. And in trying to jump off the building, accidentally pushes his wife over the edge and she falls to her death. Which sets up one of the best scenes, I think, of the episodes that I've ever seen. Because she falls down what they call the light well. Which is kind of like the courtyard of the building where all the apartments would look into or onto this sort of courtyard at the bottom. And she falls and of course you can hear the scream. And then you start seeing all these lights on these apartments turn on starting from the closest to the roof all the way down to the bottom. And to me, I just, I find it a really cool scene, um, you know, that could have been left out and the episode would have been no different whatsoever. But I think it's just one of those cool scenes that, that was really well done. So Bedeker decides to go back to his apartment where he promptly calls the police to tell them that he has killed his wife. And this sets up the third act of the episode. And basically, Bedecker called the cops and told them that, you know, he'd killed his wife because he wants to see what would happen if they gave him the electric chair. And, you know, since he can't die, what would that be like? You know, would they have to turn him loose because they couldn't kill him with the electric chair no matter how hard they tried or how many times they decided to pull the switch? So he's before the judge and the judge pronounces sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole, which for a man that can live forever is a long time. And this is one of those kind of twists that the Twilight Zone throws out there that, you know, you kind of expect it, but at the same time, it, it's, it still kind of gets you. So it's his last night in the police station before they transfer him to the, uh, to the state penitentiary. And he, of course, is very distraught in his cell and calls upon Cadwallader, who promptly gives him a heart attack and he and he dies and that's the end of the episode and now here's will lastly with the closing narration there's a saying every man is put on earth condemned to die 
time and method of execution unknown. Perhaps this is as it should be. Case in point, Walter Bittaker, lately deceased, a little man with such a yen to live, beaten by the devil, by his own boredom, and by the scheme of things in this, The Twilight Song. Now, this episode was directed by Mitchell Leeson, who we had seen before, who directed the 16mm Shrine, and who will go on to direct People Are Alike all over. We talked about him in the 16mm Shrine, so if you want to learn more about him, revisit that episode and give a listen. Now, David Wayne, who played Walter Bedecker, was born in 1914, and he passed away in 1995. So he was 81 years old when he died, and he had 132 credits on his IMDb page. Now, he attended college and actually was a statistician in Cleveland before he decided to work with a local Shakespeare company and found the love of acting and went on to do stage plays and then broke into movies and television. He was in movies such as How to Marry a Millionaire, The Three Faces of Eve, and The Andromeda Strain. And he also appeared in many television shows like Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Wagon Train, and in later years, Trapper John M.D., The Love Boat, New Heart, and even played Big Daddy Devereaux, who was Blanche's dad, on The Golden Girls. Little known fact about him, he was actually the very first actor to win a Tony Award for a stage performance. Now, Thomas Gomez played Cadwallader, and we will talk more about him in the episode on the uh, show Dust which is going to be a hugely long episode. So stay tuned for that. That will be coming up in a little while. And Virginia Christine played Ethel Bedecker. She was born in 1920 and passed away in 1996, which made her 76 years old. She was quite a character actor, 120, I'm sorry, 170 credits on her IMDb page. So, I mean, she, she works steadily. Um, but she was a, a really good character actor, appearing in movies like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Judgment at Nuremberg, and as well as TV shows like Kojak, Ironside, Gunsmoke, and even Hazel. She might be mostly remembered for being a spokeswoman for Folger's Coffee in a running series of of ads where she played the same character. Kind of like how Flo on Progressive, you know, that that sort of thing. She played that in a Folgers campaign ad. All right, so there is no real trivia to speak of on this episode, um, other than the previously mentioned uh, deleted scene with the radiator. No real goofs to speak of in the episode, except the part where right before the first break, Walter Bedecker says, you know, this is the the new Walter Bedecker. And you see him, like, pump his chest. Uh, they re-roll the footage. You can see it with the curtains blowing behind him. They blow backwards and forwards due to them just re-looping the footage. So, to the moral and uh, philosophy of the episode, I believe maybe Rod was trying to give us, give us an example of uh, the be careful what you wish for sort of uh, lesson 
that I think a lot of people still need to learn. Um, but he gave us a story of a person who was very unhappy with their life and very dissatisfied with everything and wanting to, you know, have something they didn't have. And when they got it, they realized that it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. And I think he was maybe also trying to tell us to be happy with what you have because it can be gone very quickly. Now for the likes and dislikes. For the likes, um, really good acting by David Wayne, Thomas Gomez, and Virginia Christine. Um, they all did pretty phenomenal in their parts, although you know they weren't given a whole lot to work with, being only a half-hour television show. But they all filled their roles phenomenally. Um, I think they did really well. It also was quite well directed, and I think the dialogue is some of the best especially in the earlier episodes. It's uh, it's quite well done by Mr. Serling. Now, my dislikes for this episode... My, my main dislike is if he was invincible and if he was immortal, basically, how come when he was in the police station the night before he was going to be sent to penitentiary, why couldn't he just overpower the guard, take his gun, and walk out of the police station? They could shoot him a hundred times, it wouldn't kill him. So he could basically just walk away scot-free run away, change his name, become a completely different person in a completely different country and do the thing all over again and live forever and not have any issues. So I always thought that was weird. I always thought, well, if he's immortal and if he's invincible, why couldn't he just overpower the guards and walk out the door? I mean, even a nuclear explosion wouldn't kill this person because he's invincible. So a couple of cops with some guns wouldn't stop him. And I always thought that was just a kind of a glaring plot hole that... uh Maybe Rod didn't think of, or maybe they had a different ending or a different way to do it, and they decided to use a different one. I'm not sure, but I always thought that was a little weird. Now, if it were to be remade today, and I were in charge of casting for the new episode, if it were me, I would say, for Walter Bedeker, I would think Andrew Lincoln would do quite well. Andrew Lincoln, of course, being... Rick Grimes on The Walking Dead. I think he would do quite well with that. I think for his wife, maybe Michelle Williams would be pretty good doing that. Give her a little something to do. Maybe even stretch her role out a little. You know, give it a little more meat. And for Cadwallader, I think of no one else but maybe the inimitable Mr. John Levitz to be the devil that makes a deal with Mr. Bedeker for his soul. And just for fun, for the part of the doctor, maybe Eddie Murphy, you know, put a big person in a small role. I think it'd be fun. So, on to the listener feedback portion, which, of course, I still have no listener feedback because I don't have any listeners. But if I did, this is where I would read your comments and reply to your suggestions on the podcast. But uh, as of yet, I have none. So, on to uh, a preview of next week's episode, which is titled The Lonely, which is about a convict that almost dies of loneliness, but then he doesn't. It's quite a good story, and definitely tune in for that. As always, I welcome any questions, comments, feedback you might have. Please email me at dimensionstzpodcast at gmail.com. And I will be happy to hear from you. 
And the old clock on the wall says it's time to go. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.